It is your fate that you will do this thing. It is your destiny that you will do this thing. <clears throat> Sorry about that. J.C. Alfelto here for the Writer's Lens. And I was trying to set up what would be a really epic opener to this episode because I want to talk about destiny and fate in terms of human narratives, human story, human drama. And I thought by using a voice like that, it, it would sound really cool, but I, I don't really know if it did or not. So we're just going to move ahead. Uh, this is an episode down the Disney rabbit hole of older Disney films where I love to go with this analysis of The Sword and the Stone. So stick around. Thanks for being with me. All right, guys, welcome back to The Writer's Lens. I'm your host, Chase Felto. And for those of you who made it past that just horrid intro, um, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us uh, in this in this episode. I, I I didn't know what I was thinking. Or why should I apologize? It's my show. I can do whatever I want, right? Anyway, thanks again for being here on The Writer's Lens. And uh, down the rabbit hole, as I said, I will continue here with some older Disney films that I just have been pulling out of the vault, if you will, because my kids have been watching them. And an oldie but a goodie, one that I watched when I was just a a wee little lad, uh, probably when I was about 9 or 10, and I instantly loved and instantly didn't understand a lot of the deeper concepts in it because I just, you know, I was about, like I said, 9 or 10 years old. But just chucked full of goodness and wisdom was a story called The Sword in the Stone, and for those who don't know what the sword in the stone uh, is, is it was a movie done by Disney um, back in the earlier days of Disney filmmaking. It was back in 1963 uh, that it was produced and released. And it tells of the story of King Arthur Pendragon, who is the you know, famous king of the Middle Ages that had the round table, the Knights of the Round Table. He was a very wise king and uh, presumably pulled Excalibur from a stone, which was essentially a sign that he was to be the chosen king of England. And Arthur's story is an interesting one. Um, granted, this is a Disney cartoon, but it's it, it brought up some interesting themes to me about fate and destiny. And how, uh, you know, what do we typically think when we, we think of our own lives as it pertains to destiny and fate? And is there a difference between the two, of course? And what does all that mean to us as individuals? So that's really what this episode is going to try to accomplish here in 20 minutes or less, or maybe even less than that. I have no idea. But it's a big concept. It's obviously a really big concept. So let's just dive into this then head first and see what our fates may be in this episode. Okay, so fate and destiny, like, what's the difference at all? Okay, is there a difference between fate and destiny? Now, I looked up the definitions on these, um, presumably assuming that dictionaries and Webster and those guys haven't been corrupted by, you know, some uh, AI out there in the interwebs. But on its face, there are two different words here, okay? Fate and destiny, they obviously must mean at least two different things. It's kind of like having, uh, you know, a watermelon and a mango or something like that. There's two fruits, but they they achieve different purposes, I guess. 
or maybe that was just a bad analogy, I don't know, but let's let's keep moving forward. So fate, as I found out, is this development of events that happen beyond a person's control, okay? So if someone were to tell you it's your fate, okay, you have no escape from this. You know, you're not getting out of this thing. It's your fate. It's coming for you. You can't escape it. Get paranoid. Start freaking out. Be as anxious as you want to be because it's coming no matter what. Destiny, on the other hand, is a belief that something will happen to a person in the future. So kind of like when, you know, when Harry Potter or Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, you know, one of the big three or any really mythic tale, there is often this line that gets thrown out of it is your destiny. You know, like in Star Wars, uh, Darth Vader is making the appeal to Luke Skywalker. Spoiler alert, Darth is Luke's father. And he tells Luke, you know, join me at my side. We will overthrow the emperor. Uh, it is your destiny. You know, he makes this he makes this uh, proclamation over Luke, who is his son, that it's his destiny. He wants Luke to choose this path for him, uh, for them, where Luke will become the next Dark Lord of the Sith, and Vader will be his master, and they get to be father and son, and they get to, oh, we get to kiss and make up and be Dark Lords together. Yeah, right. Okay, so destiny is a very different concept than fate. Uh, fate is unavoidable. Fate is uncontrollable. Fate is you, you, you really have no accountability in all this or responsibility. You're just basically going to be a pawn in a much larger game that you have no control. So in this, in this, or rather in these ideas that a fate and destiny exist, we come to the story of King Arthur. And the Sword in the Stone is, again, it's a lighthearted uh, take on the world of King Arthur and how he pulls the sword out of the stone. When we first meet Arthur, he's called Wart, okay? And he's a squire boy. He's very gangly. He's kind of skinny looking. He oversees uh, the stables of this uh, other knight named Kay. And uh, there's this other gentleman who's Kay's father who is basically employing Wart, if you will, took him in and has taken mercy on him to make him into this this squire guy where he might end up being a knight someday. But but really, there, there seems to be nothing special about Wart. He's just, you know, he's a gopher. He goes and gets this, gets that for Kay, and there's there's nothing else that, that Wart does outside of that. Well, Merlin shows up, and you might know this name, Merlin. He's this really powerful wizard. I guess he can time travel in this version of Disney. He's got the long gray beard or white beard, and he's got the nice pointed hat of a wizard. He looks like Dumbledore or some variation of him. And Merlin finds Wart and starts to teach him. He starts to train him up. You know, he kind of becomes his mentor. And so there's a series of tales within Sword of the Stone that happen that are eventually leading up to Wart or Arthur, as we find out at the end of the story, when they ask him what his name is, he pulls the sword from the stone. And it's actually a little bit comical how he does this. Again, spoiler alert, Kay doesn't have his sword for this fight that he's competing in for this sort of jousting or knight's match. And he says, go get my sword, you you know, you foolish boy or whatever. So Arthur runs away and he finds a sword sitting out in the middle of a field and it's stuck in this, you know, stone and he goes over and he pulls it out and he brings it to Kay. Kay's like, this isn't my sword, where'd you get this? And he says, I pulled it from this stone. Everyone's like, what? So they take it back, they put the sword back in. All these other knights come over, they can't pull it out. And... Finally, they say, hey, can we let this guy do it? He comes over, or the kid come over and do it. He pulls the stone, or sword out of the stone. Voila, King Arthur is born, or the legend of King Arthur is born. Now, after this all happens, Arthur is sitting in the 
king's court, and he's by himself, and he's with the talking owl Archimedes, and Mar- Merlin returns. Uh, but before Merlin gets back at the end of the story, Arthur is sitting on his throne. He's got this massive robe, huge kingly scepter, kingly you know crown on, and he's like, I gotta get out of here. You know, I, I don't, I don't think I can do this. You know, I, I don't really want to be king. I don't know how to rule a country. I don't know anything about this. So he tries to run out through one of the doors, and by the time he gets to a door, he opens it up, and people are still chanting, long live King Arthur, long live the king. He shuts the door. He tries another door. He can't get out. This now feels like fate. It feels like fate. He has no control over this. He's pulled the sword out of the stone. He is now king of, of England. There's no way he can get out of this. He is stuck. You know, he, Even if he tried, he's not going to get out of it. And... <clears throat> Even though he might have chosen it as his destiny, uh, he seemed to have been fated to be King Arthur from the start. Because when Merlin shows up, uh, who comes back from Bermuda, apparently, in the future, uh, another comical moment in the story, uh, Arthur makes this, again, he makes this, uh, you know, plea with Merlin. He's like, hey, you know, help me out here. You know, what's going on? And Merlin says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to be King Arthur, and you're going to have these knights at the round table, and he says, well, does it have to be a round table? Oh, you can make a square if you want. No, no, round is fine. Uh, you know, they have this sort of comedic exchange. And Merlin basically sets up Arthur for the rest of his life. He says, yeah, you're going to be this great king. You're going to rule over with, you know, truth and justice and righteousness. And uh, it kind of puts Arthur, <coughs> excuse me, kind of puts Arthur more at ease. However, he is still fated to be the king. He can't get out of this responsibility. And like I said, it made me think a little bit about human beings. It made me think about how we choose our own destinies uh, and how we also look at fate. Because I think people, for the most part, live in a tension. Like we live in this tension of fate and destiny. You know, we we want to be stuck in the mythic story of destiny. You know, we want to believe that, you know, there is a destiny out there. And if we choose this one path, we will have success. We're not going to find failure in our future. We will instead find success. And that's really where our destiny lies. We don't want our destiny to be something horrid or bad or ugly or, or anything else. Uh, we want to choose the proper destiny. And we also don't want to be fated in some sense. Like, you know, we don't want to be uh, fated uh, to be certain something or fated to become the bad guy or fated to be, you know, this, that, or the other. We want to have some, some choice in the matter. So we want there to be some, you know, free will and the ability to be predictable. We also want unpredictability. You know, we want unpredictability. And in which case, we want fate when it's going to be beneficial for us to succeed or have joy or peace of mind in our future. Uh, But again, we want wiggle room. You know, we want wiggle room to create and be spontaneous as we see fit. Uh, It's interesting in a way, you know, before I got married, I... You know, I, I didn't have a lot of cold feet or anything, um, but I remember thinking to myself, like, this is this is a big commitment. You know, this is a really big commitment I'm about to make. You know, I'm going to tell this woman that I want to be next to her for the rest of our lives. And the the thought just on its face is pretty terrifying, you know, especially if, if you were going to marry someone you didn't really know that well because it's like, oh, my gosh, what if this person's terrible? What if this person is horrible? I don't want to be joined to this person for the rest of my life. Uh, this could be awful. And that's why the ability to choose who you're going to get married to 
is such a big deal. You know, you're, you're both choosing out of your free will, hopefully, that you were going to marry one another and be committed to each other. It is still a monstrous commitment that you're making because there's a lot of unpredictability. But in the same sense, it's predictable because you're telling this person with a marriage vow, I promise to come home to you every night within reason. Uh, I promise to come home to you and, and, and sleep next to you. Uh, and of course, by proxy, sleep with you. I promise to be there for you. And there's all of these vows that we, that we make in marriage. And we hope that we're going to uphold those as best we can because we want the commitment to stick. We want to make this commitment and head off into the horizon with this person. But we know that there's going to be a lot of predictability and there's also going to be some unpredictability. Now, let's get a little bit deeper with this. Let's get even deeper in the sense of fate and destiny and how the sword and the stone uh, really plays on this is what does this say about our worldview? Right? What does it say about the way we view our story? You know, what, is it, what does it say when we think about destiny and fate in terms of the horizon that we're headed towards? Um, you know, I've often said on this, on this podcast that I'm a, I'm a believer in God. It's more specifically uh, Christian God. And my worldview is more of a biblical lens or worldview when it comes to looking at story. You know, I think God is the ultimate storyteller that there is. He's the author of everything. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out... <laughs> where my role is in that story, uh, which can be a day-to-day occurrence. Um, But I know for a lot of people who would hear that, they think it's very limiting. They would be like, oh, well, you know, I I don't need some deity, you know, Father Sky. I don't need, you know, I don't need Cloud Daddy, you know, telling me what to do or, you know, putting rules over my head because I want to be more spontaneous. I want to have free will. Well, again, I would say that I've been in your place before. I know what that's like. It's actually not as free as you think it is. Um, because you basically are, how do I say this? You're, you're not really appealing to anything other than yourself. And, and to me, that becomes very isolating. That becomes very self-absorbed in a sense. And it, it ultimately will lead to a horizon that I think, uh, does not allow for a lot of creativity in general, because if God is the author of all things and he does have the best story, if he is the best storyteller, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? That's just, I guess that's just... Where I've come to now in my life, this is this is how I see this in hindsight. And if I would have known that much earlier in life, I would have chosen it much earlier in life. But I just didn't. You know, I, I didn't. Um, so, I, you know, again, I, I hope that doesn't make some of my, my non-Christian uh, listeners go, well, you know, screw you, Josh. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to go listen to somebody else that likes to tell stories. But I think, it's a, I think it's a challenging statement. I think it's all something that we have to be challenged by is, what is our worldview when it comes to stories? You know, how does our story play out with destiny and with fate? And how do we view these things? Um, because if, you know, looking at other worldviews that don't believe in God, you know, like agnostic or humanist or atheist or secular or secular humanist for, for sake of discussion, what is that horizon look like? You know, I've, I've looked into those things. And what is that story supposed to entail? Are you supposed to be the true purveyor of your destiny? Uh, is your fate merely just to become worm food someday? and become a tree, and that's going to be the end of your tale? Is it really just to, uh, you know, pass your genes on to as many people as you possibly can, whether you're a boy or a girl? Again, these are things that we we would like to create as part of our destiny so that when we do get to the end that we were fated to in some sense, because again, there's that tension, that we look back and we say, yes, I chose the right path, and I wasn't just coerced into it, but I chose this thing. 
uh, I did have a say in the matter as opposed to it being uncontrollable. And that ultimately ends up being our story. So you're writing your story every day. You're writing your story every day. You're writing the destiny that you're choosing. And in many ways, it'll become your fate, right? It will become the fate of your life is that the, the destiny that you choose will become that fate. And not all of us end up looking back and saying that the destiny of my life was a good one. Or, uh, you know, I, I do know there's a lot of science behind the idea that we tend to remember better memories, like good memories rather than bad ones. Even though bad memories, the, the body does have a way of the remembering really horrible things. The soul has a way of sort of absorbing bad things and then uh, acting those out in the most unexpected ways in, in traumatic situations or stressful situations later in life. It really is quite a fascinating thing from a psychological standpoint. But again, how do I break free from that? How do I head towards the best horizon in my own story without feeling like I'm stuck in uh, sort of this uh, scope that is is unavoidable or I can't move within and I, I will say this, and again, this is, of course, my, my small pitch for my own worldview, is that I find a lot of freedom in having foundation. I, I find a lot of freedom in having uh, a standard. I, I, I find a lot of freedom in knowing where I stand in general when it comes to what it is I'm doing in my life and what destiny I could be headed towards. That is very freeing, actually. It's, it's quite the inverse, the, the counterintuition of what I think a human being tends to think of themselves when they're thinking about worldview or religious context or anything is that I, I, in order for me to totally be free, right, I have to not commit myself to anything. But then when you don't commit yourself to anything, you've, you've really not done anything. <laughs> you've really not been able to make much of anything if you don't commit yourself. You know, there's that cliche, jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, that also finds itself to be very true in a lot of situations, especially when it comes to our own stories. So I... I know that this, this episode probably deals in a lot of philosophy. It's probably a little more top-heavy, intellectual, um, not a lot of practical advice perhaps in it or even practical application, but it is something that I believe people should be considering. You know, you should be considering what destiny you're choosing uh, because it will become your fate eventually someday uh, as your life plays out. Um, and uh, like I said, in my, in my own personal world, I'm trying to choose that destiny that it fits into whatever destiny God has in mind, um, which can be a scary thought as well. It can also be a very, very daunting thought um, to consider that also. But to me, it's a little more freeing. It's definitely a lot more freeing than, than everything else I, <laughs> I was doing prior to that, uh, prior to, to trying to be the purveyor of my own story with my own standards, which was which was just really, really difficult and tough and rather restless, I think is the best word for it. So anyway, but I don't know, again, back to the sword and the stone, the story of King Arthur. There are many other subplots within the sword and the stone, which I think are worthy of their own episode. Uh, there is the the tale, or, or I should say this, there are parts in the sword and the stone where Merlin is teaching Arthur about something and he will change him into an animal to teach him something. He, t he turns him into a fish or a guppy at one point in the moat that surrounds the castle. And he has to get away from this alligator gar, this giant fish, which is actually pretty terrifying in the context of the the movie, as I recall. It was a pretty terrifying animal. And uh, in another instance, he turns him into a bird. And then in another instance, uh, he's transformed into a squirrel, which I think is the one that has the most interesting life story 
which is where he learns about the ethic of love. And Merlin basically makes this uh, declaration to him there. He says, look, you know, I, I believe it, love probably is the most powerful force on earth, which again, as a child, no concept of what that really means. How could love be the most powerful force on earth? I just, there's no guns, no tanks with love. There's no, <laughs> there's no dragons blazing. There's no, you know, super laser from the future that love seems to operate with. And yet, as I get older and my story plays out my my own life and I see the stories play out in other people's lives, where love pre- predominantly reigns as the ethic in that person's life, um, you tend to see uh, a very powerful force at play in those people's lives. Now, I'm not saying just love for the sake of love. I'm saying love with, with truth to, uh, tied, uh, tied to it, uh, with many other principles around it, of course. But as far as it being a central ethic, uh, I see that in a lot of people's lives. And to see that being played up in The Sword and the Stone, of course, I, I, I can affirm that. I can say I deeply agree with that as being um, part of its teaching point there. So anyway, like I said, probably could be its own episode in of itself, but I had to give it a little bit of a plug there at the end here as I am just just sort of motoring through this episode. Uh, so I hope you've enjoyed it, this philosophical deep dive of Sword in the Stone as I continue to go back in time with Disney's classic uh, animated films. I promise to break away from... Disney on my next episode because I, I, I'm going to rip into the future a little bit. Uh, not rip as in criticize it, but rather we'll, we'll go back in the late 1900s or maybe early 2000s with the next one. But stick around for that one. Got some good episodes on, on tap here at the Writer's Lens. And also some crossover coming up here at the end of the year. Hard to believe 2021 is almost uh, gone and out, of, out the window, but we are almost there. So thank you again for all the support for those who have been listening in here at the Writer's Lens. It's been quite a journey thus far. And we will see where the fate of this podcast continues. Do you like what I did there? Do you like like what, like how I ended that? Or what the destiny of the, was it destiny of the podcast, fate of the podcast? I'll have to go back and re-listen to this or something. But anyway, hope you guys have a good rest of the week. And again, get at me with any questions. You can reach me on the website at Podbean. Uh, but check me out anywhere else. Share it with a friend. Have a good conversation over it. And uh, I'll catch up with you guys again soon. This is JCL Felto for The Writer's Lines. <laughs>